0: On the things we say i'm sheldon and i'm nate we're happy to be here so um did you know (laughs) that well first little tidbit is last year the 49ers defeated the packers in the nfc championship game to advance the super bowl yes do you know that no player that touched the football for the 49ers in the nfc championship game played when those two teams met last thursday was even on the field. Not a single one. Not a single player that touched the ball for the 49ers was active for that game. Wow. Raheem Mostert was on IR, he's running back. Garoppolo was out. Top two receivers yeah, all, were out. All
1: of all of the Niners are injured. Yes. It's all of them.
0: Everyone everybody is hurt. Yeah. There's like something like $60 million sitting on injured wrist <laughs> Can you imagine paying $60 million for something that you can't use?
1: I can't imagine paying $60 million for anything. <laughs> I $60, mil- 60
0: million dollars is what you put in the bank so that you can spend other
1: things that you make. <laughs> yes have you ever done that i mean I, we've all done that but you've done yes. that thing where it's like if i had x amount of money how would i what would what I? Do would you with do it? with
0: a million dollars yeah i would put it in the bank i would work 10 more years yes and then i would live the rest of my life off of that
1: yes yeah
0: but a million seems kind of low now yeah
1: i wouldn't retire if i yeah say so 60 million if i got right. 60 million dollars tomorrow i would i would literally put it in the bank i'd pay off any debt that i have maybe pay off some fam- family debt as well and then I would just let it sit there and make me more money. Oh, that's while impressive. I continue what to do. What would you
0: do if you won the lottery? Oh like yeah, that kind yeah. The one,
1: lo- yeah. I'm I'm not one of these. Well, I'll just give it all to charity because none of them ever do. They're all lying. Nope. They're just saying that because they want to be a good person. I don't need to be a good person. I have Jesus. I know where my security is. So I don't need to. I don't need to front for y'all because I don't care what you think about me. So, if I if I were to win the lottery, I would. I would. I would do a few things with it like that where i would where i would pay some things off and do some things like that but for the most part no i'm setting up trusts for my kids i am i am paying off right. my house i'm you know i'm not gonna go blow it on a bunch of ridiculous stuff my gun ownership will go through the roof <laughs> uh yeah there are a few things but right. nothing like i'm not gonna go out and buy like a mansion or do anything like that because my standard of what a mansion is is very unrealistic like if I want a mansion, I want to, I want a mansion like Stan Hewitt, something like that. That's just this sprawling, you know, turn of the 20th century estate that, you know, some railroad magnet or, right. or, or auto mogul, you know, made, that is my vision of a mansion.
0: Everything else. I'm just like,
1: you're just throwing money at that for but no do reason. Do I
0: even want that? I don't want that. I don't really want any bigger than what I have. No, I'm I, good. I'm
1: the part that intrigues me about that stuff is, is basically like you live on your own island in the middle of the country. You, right. you just have all this space and it's you know you can ride horses out there or you can have your own shooting range. You can do whatever you want. It's all out there. And I've always been intrigued by the idea of like, yes, I have a staff for my house, for my grounds in my house. Yeah, like, but I don't want
0: anybody else in my house. That's part no, of it. No,
1: that's true too. Yeah. There's
0: all kinds of weirdness that comes along with it. I don't want a butler because no. I don't want anybody that like is in my house like that have you
1: have you watched any of the crown have you ever seen that just has i have not it's completely intriguing to me because obviously the whole idea of of royalty and it it basically does not compare to anything we have in america the presidency is not any kind of analogous thing to that i mean they are literally like there is still a very religious element attached to the crown in in uh the uk um they are they are literally untouchable by common people still it's very different But it was interesting because watching this one of the big things that happens all the time is you'll see uh, uh, you'll see uh, Queen Elizabeth and Prince Philip uh, who are married he is a prince because he's not the king anyway it doesn't matter but you'll see them talking and they're literally like they've just done this grand ball and so now they're undressing and changing for the night and whatever they have separate rooms by the way, which is also weird but they're just sitting here talking and they're talking about like, significant things that you would not talk to talk about in front of anybody else. Right. Even times they're like kind of bickering back and forth and they have, are just surrounded by staff and servants that are helping them address, taking their jewelry, all these things. And they're just talking as if they're not there. And I'm like, do you understand that these people hear every word of this and they're going to go pass it on to whether it's each other or whatever, like, but they just don't see them. They're just not, it's like, they're not even there. And the fact that they captured that on uh, in the in the uh, the show is very intriguing to me, and something that never occurred to me, but makes total sense. Yeah, uh, because they're just now again there. There's also a certain code of honor that is among those who get to serve the royal family that they probably don't talk about it a whole lot. In all honesty, so there's all kinds of weirdness with that. But I was like, my goodness, how strange that would be to literally have people around you that you have so turned into furniture that you talk about things that nobody would talk about in front of anybody in front of it's so bizarre it's if nothing else it's worth watching just to see that happen yeah. more than a few times
0: yeah throughout the show it's not a way that we would think about people. it's very like, weird yeah and and even but for royals like you would have grown up with that all the time totally. like somebody else raised you somebody yeah. else has always been there to right. like play yeah, it's, with you take you places yeah
1: it's it's not like a even the way they portray it in the show it's not like it's Oh, you're beneath me. It's like, this is just normal. Like right. there's no seeing that as abnormal
0: at all. And Furniture that is true. probably the best way to put yeah. it. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's part of the function. of. It's just, just functional.
1: Yeah. So weird. Yeah. But yeah, that, uh, those aspects of it are super weird yeah, to me. It,
0: I can't be that level rich. No, like
1: I wouldn't. I, yeah. I just wouldn't, I wouldn't want to be right. Yeah. I just don't, I don't see that. Anyway, that's a whole random little thing. I feel like I'm talking really loud. Am I talking really loud? Uh, no, you're doing great. No, oh, okay. My waveform is really big right now. It,
0: I don't know why.
1: I don't know why either.
0: Maybe you're excited.
1: Uh, maybe I am. I don't know. That's nice. <laughs> I'll just turn down my gain a little.
0: Did you know Ooh. that there is a feeding miracle outside of Jesus feeding the 3,000 and feeding the 5,000? That somebody else fed a group of people with a small amount of food and had food left over? In the Bible. New Testament or old? Old.
1: Uh, it happened before Jesus. Yeah. Was it. Uh, was it. Uh, was it Elijah that.
0: Was that? Was You're that? very close. Oh. So this is what I'm getting into tonight. Okay. One, uh, I was going to get into some of Elisha's miracles because he had some really weird miracles, but I he did really not realize did. he had a feeding miracle. And it's probably because I skipped right over it. It's only like three verses long. And it's, uh, let me see. It's second Kings four. And if you go down to verse 42, Elisha fed a hundred men, a man came from Bell I don't know how to say it, bringing food from the first fruits to the man of God. So this guy's bringing in his tithe of food, Okay, 20 loaves of barley and 20 loaves of barley and fresh ears of grain in his sack. Elisha said, give it to the people and let them eat. But his servant said, how can I set this before a hundred people? So he repeated, give it to the people and let them eat. For thus says the Lord, they shall eat and have some left. And he set it before them and they ate and they had some left according to the word of the Lord. Hmm. He fed a hundred people from what one guy carried in on a sack. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I never caught that. That's, that's really odd. That's, and it, it's wild to me that, That is one miracle that I would have said walking on water was the other one that you would say is exclusive of Jesus, that he, he was the only one that did it. But Elijah and Elisha raised the dead. Yeah. Like, and the feeding miracle here is weird because I I wouldn't have thought of that. Yeah. As associated with anybody other than Jesus. Yeah. But Hmm. even he had precedent for doing what he did yeah
1: that's very true <laughs> that's interesting yeah that's interesting huh yeah i didn't i didn't know that was in there i mean i'm sure i've seen that before but it's just never registered with me
0: oh, yeah man there's there's a lot of miracles of elisha now walking on water is still i think jesus was the only one that i can think of that walked on water um elisha had another water related miracle with the axe head yeah so it says, now a company of the prophets said to Elisha, as you see, the place where we live is, is too small for us. So let's go to the Jordan, collect logs, one f- and collect logs there and build a place for each of us. And he answered, go do that. And so they said, please come with us. So he went with them. When they came to the Jordan, they cut down the trees. But as one was felling his log, his axe head fell into the water and he cried out. This was a last master. It was borrowed. And the man of God says, where did it fall? And he showed him the place. He cut off a stick and threw it in there and made the iron float. And he said, pick it up. So he reached out his hand and took it. That's that is one of my favorite, just completely random things. Right.
1: Mostly because I love the freak out over it being borrowed. And obviously, if you can get into some of the some of the things in you know, the books of the law and different things like that, there obviously is a big deal to needing to replace and pay back on top of when when something that you've used is lost and, and it belongs to somebody else. And obviously being a prophet, he was going to follow that law. So it probably would have hurt him severely to have to replace that. Um, but that's just one of the weirdest little, I don't even know if I call it a miracle. It's just like, it's just weird. It's just one of those weird things where you go, why
0: is this even in here? What does but this do? It's also really odd that the solution for that was throwing a stick in yeah. to the water. And then that makes the iron flow. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like why the act of throwing the stick? Yeah. I don't, I don't, yeah. it then doesn't register for like, it was obviously it's a miracle. It's not logical, right. Right. but yeah, there's still, there's still action involved. Yeah. Like.
1: He What's was was that also? Who was the one with the uh, with the fish and the coin?
0: That was Jesus. Was that Jesus? Yeah, Jesus was forced to pay taxes. Right. And so he went and <laughs> caught a fish and pulled it out of a fish and he's like, "Here, pay your taxes with <laughs> <for> that." <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is the best response to taxation being theft. <laughs> like, if you're going to steal, you're going to steal from the ocean, not from <laughs> me. <laughs> you will not rob god (laughs) oh my goodness
1: that's funny i forgot i forgot it was was it was both
0: it was both submitting to the letter of law and remaining in the spirit of this is unfair (laughs) yeah oh my goodness yeah
1: (laughs) yeah so obviously we're keeping with our theme of random bible stories here (laughs) that just have have always kind of mystified us a little bit
0: or or ones that People don't think about cause they don't get talked about in church right. or they just get right. skated over or just miss somehow. They're Bible oddities, they're fun stories, but they're in there somewhere. Yeah. A bunch
1: of these that we're that we're talking about I know of because we used to play like an unlimited version of twenty questions in in our like with my parents, especially my dad. Okay. And he would just pick the most obscure biblical figures. And you would just guess and guess and you just could not whittle it down and could not think of who it was. And he took an excessive amount of pride <laughs> in being able to stump us on that. The, one of the best ones he ever got us wa- with was, um, I always forget, is it Elijah or Elisha bec- that came first?
0: Elijah was first, Elijah Elijah was, was Elisha was second. Elisha was
1: second, okay. Right. But one of his big things was, uh, and he did us this way both with, uh, he made us think it was uh, Elijah but it was actually Enoch that he was talking about because oh. the whole thing was who no, never, never died. Well, and that was the big trick. It's like, are they living or dead? Oh, they're alive. And so you'd guess all these things and you're like, well, they can't be that m- any older than this. And so you'd go. So he got us, that one took us like a week till he finally, we finally just had to get him to tell us like, who is it? You said it's not Elijah. Like, who is it? And he was like, Enoch. And I'm like, Oh, right. That's in there too. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, <laughs> totally random. But that's that's one of those things. Um, one of the uh, one of the things that I've always thought was weird and uh, is is the story of Shamgar. So this is a guy who who's one of Israel's judges, uh, but he's not really. There's not much said about him. Is mm-hmm. He's just like a little subscript to what's going on. But his biggest thing is he slaughtered 600 Philistines by himself with an ox goad. And just so he just took out a whole like platoon of Philistines all by himself with an ox goad. You don't really know anything else he did as a judge. That must have been his crowning achievement, except there was peace after that. I forget how many years that there was there was peace after that. Because, I mean, think about it. You have you send a a force in and one guy takes him out. Like, yeah, we're not going to mess with those people anymore, because if that was just one guy and we
0: try to take in any more than that, we're not going to go. It's not going to go well for us. But what was I just listening to on the cabinet of curiosities or something? The the guy that maybe it wasn't on that, but some somewhere I was just reading about a guy in more modern history that got a whole like troop of people to surrender to him. Like there was, he got like over 300 people to just surrender to him because yeah. they thought he had a whole bunch of people yeah. with him. And then he let them back and like, they were all his prisoners. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> What? <laughs> I and obviously I didn't help anybody with that story. It's just in my head. Right. But there are modern examples right. of like small numbers of people overcoming large numbers. Yeah. But 600 people with an ox code, this had to be in the dark. You yeah, would think or something. Or <laughs> there has to be a mitigating factor of some yeah. kind. Like it's foggy. And you never see it coming. Right. Or only two or three of you see him at the same time. Right. Well, and that's the interesting <laughs> thing,
1: though. Let me, let me go into this. And, and we talked about this a little bit in warfare, you know, how the spear was the weapon of choice and whatever. If they were a small force that they were sending in, like, in a very expeditionary sense, they probably weren't armed as well as they would have been. And if nothing else, Shamgar's reach would have been enough to give him an advantage. Like, you could you could hold a lot of men at bay— if all they had was swords and you were armed with a good staff or a spear, oddly enough, it's just, it's one of those things that I've found. Yes, I do research ancient military tactics. That is one <laughs> of my random things that I, that I look into and, and learn about, but that you could have, you could have reasonably held a large swath of people at bay. And as long as they weren't surrounding you, which obviously because he wasn't dead, they weren't, they weren't around behind him. So he must've had some wall or some hill that advan advantaged him uh, behind him. Um, but speaking of warfare, probably one of my favorite stories of all time in the Bible, and again, it's a very small one. But is the story of Jonathan and his armor bearer? That is climbing. That yeah. is my favorite Bible yeah. story. Climbing, yeah. the, climbing, the, climbing the mountain to fight the Philistines. And so there's the a couple. Phil- there's of a Philistine outpost on top of a cliff, yeah. basically. Yeah. And I always I, there's a couple of reasons I like it. One is because. Um, the fact that they actually climbed this cliff and then had the energy to fight after the fact is is pretty cool. Plus, I always kind of imagine it being like Wesley in uh, in The Princess Bride, you know, climbing up that hill. You know, you're just going to have to wait a minute. We're coming up to the top. Just when we get there, we'll, we'll fight. But just give me a second. So I've always kind of pictured it as that kind of a situation. But my favorite part of the whole story is Jonathan is just straight up bored. They've been in a stalemate. Yes. And his, his thing is... They're over there. We're over here. Yeah. This isn't changing. Yeah. And my favorite thing is he literally says, let's just go up and fight these guys. And who knows? Maybe God will be with us and we'll have a victory. There's no like God commissioned him to. There's nothing special about it. It's not even really advantageous for them to go do it. He's just like, we're going to go do a thing and see how God God deals with us. Like, And it's like, this is with your life. This is not a small thing. And I think it speaks to the character of who Jonathan
0: was. Uh, Especially that his armor bearer said, "Yeah, do whatever you have in mind. I'm with you yeah, heart I'm and totally soul. Totally with you. I'm with you heart and soul." I'm <laughs> like, does this man not have a family? <laughs> Did no one ever love him or care about him? <laughs> Your but friend is clearly not well. Yeah, but that's one of my favorites. There's just something about that. Yeah. There's something about that story for sure. <laughs> and they climb up, and the Lord gives them the victory. It's like, and and their whole whether we climb up or not was whether they invite us up. That's right. Like, do they want the fight or not? Again, and- there's so many great movie references that
1: are happening there. It's like the Frenchman on the wall and Monty right. Python and the Holy Grail. Oh, they taunted us. Let's go do the thing. Let's go. Uh, it's just beautiful. There are so many, so many random mental images that come You're to me French. with that. French? What are you doing in English? <laughs> Mind <laughs> your own business. <laughs> English big dogs. Oh, man. <laughs> I haven't watched that movie in a long time. I'm overdue. I just overdue. showed it to my children. They have oh, reached the age where, where... you can do that. Yes. Monty oh, Python man. is doable. Well overdue to watch that again. My <laughs> wife awesome.
0: hates that movie.
1: My wife hates it. She hates The Princess Bride, too. Ooh. Yeah, that's... That's,
0: an, that's low. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I am I'm. think I want... I need to you make You need her, to revisit that.
1: Yeah, I need to make her watch it with me again.
0: Although that get, was the very first movie that me and Jess ever watched together.
1: I think the first movie that Kayla and I ever watched together was My Sassy Girl, which is no not a great movie. Is. But it, it it did have Alicia Cuthbert in it, and she's kind of oh, attractive, so that yeah, was okay. There you go. So she's the random girl that we can agree on. Attractiveness. Is her name Elisha as well? No, Alicia.
0: <laughs> it's spelled Elisha, isn't it?
1: I don't remember. <laughs> but either way, the girl from 24, the daughter yeah, from 24. Yeah.
0: Do you agree, though? I agree. You thought she was attractive? Yes.
1: See, there's a random girl that we finally agree on. That's
0: the center of our Venn diagram.
1: That is. We we generally do not agree on the attractiveness of women. Not that they're... I think Amy Adams is in there somewhere, too. Yeah, I think she is. <laughs> That's the funny thing. is. All right, well... Attractiveness is very... Uh, it's very subjective. It is very subjective. Like Like, most of the women that you say you would find attractive, I would be like, yes, I think they're cute or I think they're pretty. I don't think they're attractive. Like right. I don't look at them and think, yes, I would love to sit down with that person and and strike up a relationship. It's just not there for me at all. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it's not biblical
0: or even important, but it is a thing. My, my speaking of random things that Elisha would do to remedy the situation. <laughs> it says, uh it, I think that's verse 38, right before you fed a hundred men. But it says, Elisha returned to Gilgal and there was famine in the land and a company of the prophets. He's always got these random group of prophets around him. It sounds like he had a school of prophets. But anyway, there was famine in the land. The prophets were sitting before him. He said to his servant, put the large pot on and make some stew for the company of the prophets. So one of them went out to the field, gather a bunch of herbs, uh, herbs, and he found a wild vine and gathered it with a lap full of wild gourds and came in and threw it in the pot of stew, not knowing what they were. First of all, why? <laughs> <laughs> why is this the dude that is in charge? <laughs> Clearly, they were better prophets than they apparently, were goats. apparently. And maybe, I don't know why they weren't leaning on the Lord as far as whether this gourd is good to eat or this <laughs> vine is good to eat. I don't know if it was the vines or the gourds, but either way, they were wild vines, herbs, and gourds. Um, and they serve. it says, not knowing what they were, they served the men to eat, but while they were still eating the stew, They cried out, oh, man of God, there is death in the pot. They could (laughs) not eat it. And he said, then bring me some flour. And he threw it into the pot and said, serve the people and let them eat. And there was nothing harmful in the pot. Man. So it was poisoned. I think you can tell from the story. It was poisoned. And like they're saying, no, we can't eat this. And he just throws flour in there. And now it's better. And even if something is extra salty... Throwing flour in it just makes it more pasty. Yes, it doesn't take away from the saltiness. That's how you make plaster. (laughs) (laughs) Right. We've now thickened the pot of poison stew. Yeah.
1: Speaking of a random thing like that, I mean, I mean, these are all random things, so I guess I can't say. Speaking of, you're going to do that every time. But I always loved um, Paul on the island of Malta getting bit by the snake. Yeah. My favorite thing about it, again, here it is. As Paul gathered an armful, of so this fire. is this is after yeah, this is after they had a shipwreck and they all get to shore and they're, they're all like, well, wet yeah, they're let's, cold. let's you know it's cold and rainy, let's build a fire. As Paul gathered an armful of sticks and was laying them on the fire, a poisonous snakes, driven out, snake driven out by the heat, bit him on the hand. The people of the island saw it, so not the. People from the shipwreck, but the natives who knew that it was poisonous, saw it hanging from his hand and said to each other, A murderer, no doubt. Though he escaped the sea, justice will not permit him to live. Again, the idea that he's getting justice or judgment from God or whatever gods they believed in. Because, look, you survived, but you're still going to die. But Paul shook off the snake into the fire and was unharmed. The people waited for him to swell up or suddenly drop dead. But when they had waited a long time and saw that he wasn't harmed, they changed their minds and decided he was a god." That is one of my favorites because I love how dismissive Paul is and just doesn't even think about it. It's like, oh, yeah, snake, shake it off. All right. Moving on. We're good. That one was (laughs) bitey. It was a little (laughs) bitey. Waiting for him to swell up and die. (laughs) And he never did, you know? Oh, yeah. But I, I always liked that one. Just that random, just the dismissiveness of it. It's like, well. And again, I don't think it was like Paul. I just think he didn't care whether or not it was poisonous. Yeah, I don't think it was Paul going, oh, yeah, but I'm Paul. It's not going to hurt me. He's not like a Superman, you know. Yeah. But I
0: think he literally was just
1: like, eh, well, it bit me. Shaking in the fire.
0: That happened. Yeah,
1: that happened. Just moving on.
0: Uh, that would be a weird interaction. I've never been sitting in a room with a bunch of people that are waiting for me to die. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <That's> that would.
1: <laughs> could you imagine sitting
0: around that fire, just everybody staring at him? It's like, do I have something on my nose? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. And and the quick change of opinion about him, like they're making judgments about oh, yeah. his life based on whether or not he was bit by a snake, and then his making judgments about his deity based on whether or not he died. Right, which is funny to me because, you know... If he died, he was a murderer. If right. he didn't, he was a god. Right. Either way, his status is changing yes. right now because right now. of his snake bite.
1: Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. well, you know, most, most polytheistic gods are... Really horrible, horrible, horrible people. Persons? Pers- Can they really be people if they're gods? No, they're really horrible gods. But they're even beyond that. They're just terrible people. They're always really rapey and vengeful and like all <laughs> kinds of weird things, especially Greek mythology. With a lot is, of
0: weird incest in Greek mythology. Oh,
1: goodness. Yeah. And eating of babies. And <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of weirdness. A whole lot of weirdness. Anyway,
0: that's beside the point. This is beside the point if there is one yeah uh the other one that i can never quite remember that it that it was elisha that did it was naaman the guy that had leprosy and then yeah. he was a syrian general and had to wash right in the jordan river and that was a solution to his leprosy it was like you need to go wash in the jordan river and i'm not going to read the whole thing because it's really long but um, Elisha sent sent a messenger to him, saying, "Go wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh will be restored, and you shall be clean." But Naaman became angry and went away saying, I thought that for me, he would surely come out and he would stand and call on the name of the Lord God. And he would wave his hand over the spot and cure the le- leprosy. <laughs> Are not Abana and Parfar in the rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? And he turned and went away in a rage. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> and and every time I see that, I'm like, no, you're thinking of TV preachers. <laughs> <laughs> He would stand and he would call on the name of the Lord He'd wave his hand over the spot This is what people expect you to do when you heal them They don't expect the unexpected Which is like yeah, see that really muddy river over here, like we have in Israel. <laughs> like, go wash in that, and uh, you know, sometimes well, you, you get up, you wash, right. you go back in, then you get up and you well, wash. Well, and you, you go have to think, in. too.
1: I mean, if you had leprosy, you'd already tried everything you could. Yeah. If you're getting to the point, where you were coming. Of that. Yeah, where you were coming into <laughs> enemy territory right. because they were not friends, the Israelites and the Syrians. They did not like each other. And seeking somebody out, and they're gonna tell you, go wash yourself in this gross muddy river. And that's going to be the thing that's going to do it.
0: It what, would be kind of insulting. I mean, come it is on. super insulting. <laughs> and, <laughs> and he didn't even show up to tell him to his face. Right. That's part of it. And I was like, the one thing about Elisha, we know from the Bible that Elisha was greater than Elijah, that he yeah. had a double portion of the Lord's spirit. He was supposed to do greater and better things. And he did, but he didn't collect that glory for himself. He yeah. was very careful that none of this glory came back to him. So when the most important guy that could ever need healed (laughs) would walk into his place, he's like, yeah, I'm uh, not going anywhere near that. Yeah. And he's like, why don't you tell him, uh, go wash in the river? <laughs> and you go tell him, and I'm just going to stay here and I don't know what I do. Talk yeah. to my company of prophets or something. You Float know. some axe heads. <laughs> yeah. 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 And so, and like, he's getting no credit. He makes the guy angry and the guy leaves. And the only person that convinces him to get healed are his servants that are like, we wasted this entire yes. trip. You literally cannot yeah. go back. You're going without to do the thing. Do the thing. If he asked you to do something super hard, what have you done? He's like, Yeah, I would have done anything, but not that. And they're like, Do you hear yourself? Uh, it's like that meatloaf song. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but I won't do but that. But I won't do that. <laughs> <Yeah>. And uh. <laughs> it's it's just Elisha was the exact opposite of what you would think of a glory seeking like T V style preacher where yeah. it's like oh, this really important person needs healed. You're a healer, you're a prophet. Why don't you heal this guy? And he's like, not only am I not going to come stand here publicly or do something that looks magical, wave my hand, make a prayer, yeah. I'm just going to tell you to do something. There's nothing super spiritual about this, and we'll see if you do it. Yeah. Like, you are going to actually listen to God or no? Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's, that's the
1: thing I love is that the majority of what you see What miraculous things you see happen in the Bible fly in the face of whatever the conventional knowledge was of the day.
0: And they're predicated on obedience. Yes,
1: (laughs) always, always. And uh, I even think it's interesting because you look at the whole issue with Naaman or you look at the centurion who later came to Jesus and how they had the complete opposite attitude. Like, I want you to come out. I want you to do the thing. And he didn't get what he wanted, but still got what he was looking for. Whereas, Once he obeyed. Right. Yeah. And then you have the centurion who's like, Oh no, please do not even try. Don't come. Just say the word. We'll be good. I, yeah. I know how I know. How. And I love that his, his preface for that. the centurion is, I understand how authority
0: works. Yeah. You just say what's what you're going to say and it'll work. I tell these men to go <laughs> and they go. Right. You just tell that thing that like you have spiritual, th- like that right. was the recognition of Jesus has the the power to heal he has supernatural authority and that clearly just works the same as the authority I have yeah. over my company of men yeah I, that's so good that understanding is really really good for someone that doesn't that you wouldn't expect to understand the spiritual but for him he's like well if you are who you say you are right and you have the power to do that and that, I believe you do
1: right and I would contest based on the context of what happens there. That was the miracle that Jesus performed that moved him the most of all the. Now, I I would say obviously Lazarus was a big deal, but that was because of relationship with Lazarus because he genuinely loved Lazarus. I think this one literally moved his heart the most because this guy just got it. He just understood he he didn't need need anything from him. He didn't need any of the showiness or whatever, because I do. You kind of get this sense that Jesus was like. <sighs> okay let's go do it like there was i think there was some like yeah he was a little weary of that i and, will go with you yeah and so but it ends up no 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 no. just i understand this here's how it works you say the thing you say the word and it will go and it does he gets you see him genuinely get excited about the fact it's like look at this guy like look nowhere in all this? of israel yeah. have i seen such faith yeah
0: like, i've been going around looking for somebody with faith like this for a long time <laughs>
1: And he found it in a Gentile. Yeah.
0: Everybody's asking me to do stuff for him. This guy's like, no, don't do the thing. Just tell it to go. And it's done. <laughs> that is a good one. I love that, that one. It's so good. The, the other one that uh, I think it was passed around that, that, taught, that taught on this, but uh, the lady that touched the hem yeah. of his robe to get healed. Yeah. And I never tied these two things together, and he did it really well. And he's like, she probably knew the scripture that from, the Messiah from Micah? would come yeah. with healing in his wings. And the the edge of his robes, the corner of his robes, like that that would look like, you know, you could say it look like wings, you know, yeah. if he were to spread out his garment. Right. That's what it would look like. And those tassels on the end of his robe. So she n- may have known that and touching the hem of his robe knew that there was healing in in the Messiah, like there's healing in his wings and grabbing a hold. Right. And she was like taking that promise and putting an action to it. And that's why it immediately, the promise itself bore the power to, to complete her healing. Right. Which is why Jesus didn't take any action to heal her. Right. And yet she was healed because of her faith. And he's just like, Whoa, power went out of me It like (laughs) went from God through me and out to you to someone. I don't know who, like he didn't even know who it was or how it had happened. Yeah. He was just like, whoa! It like caught him off guard.
1: Yeah, I uh, I actually had a very personal experience with that that tie-in because I I uh, was at Catalyst in 2003, back in the day Catalyst uh, conference that passion you know passion yeah. Catalyst mm-hmm. conference, and uh, Rob Bell spoke, and this was back before Rob Bell got off into the weeds, and and he was still theologically solid and not problematic like he is now. He was still a pusher. He was still yeah, he, he was still a controversial figure, but not not like now. But he he spoke on that very thing and got into the details of why it was called wings and how oh, okay. all that worked, and uh, and even got into the the, the uh, original language words that meant the same thing and that. Uh, but my one of my favorite things he said is said, and this is where Jesus kind of goes on Obi Wan on everybody. He's like, "Whoa, I felt power go out from me." he's like who touched me <laughs> and the disciples were like there's like 500 people that are touching you right now what are you talking about and it was just very like but i love that idea of like jesus just kind of goes obi-wan on us i felt power go out from me you know
0: that. something happened yeah
1: something happened yeah oh, that, that
0: is my my favorite reaction from the disciples like lord everyone <laughs> is touching <you." laughs> like have you ever been in those crowds that are so tightly pressed together that like when you jump you carry the two people on the yes. other sides of you up yeah
1: i just i actually just recently had a memory of uh i miss before someone, coronavirus <laughs> yes someone who's who's i knew girl you know in my teenage years who was a part of our youth group and i uh, was friends with uh but who now has become very good friends with my wife unrelated to that friendship um and they're very close now and i obviously i wouldn't we're all married and different things like that so that changes the relationship but i had a random memory of Her and this other girl, when I was a teenager, we went to a live fest the last time DC Talk played there as DC Talk. And I stood in one spot all day because I'm like, I am going to be in the middle of the front of the crowd, like right here. And I just stood there when there was nobody there. I picked my spot and I'm like, this is my spot. And I stood there for hours. And the crowd just kind of gradually starts to grow and you get pushed back a little bit. and Then you get pushed forward a little bit. Anyway, it gets into this whole thing. The show starts. We made it through. They did a little a little bit of a set as DC Talk, like two songs, and it was when they were doing the solo tour stuff, the intermission thing. So then they all did sets as their own individual thing, and Toby Mac was, I think, starting off first. Well, by this point, the crowd has had gotten very pressed in. These friends, you know, these girls were here with me. One was very, very short, and the crowd was getting antsy and rowdy, and they were doing that thing where they would start to rock, and you just all are kind of swirling in this rocking motion it's not really a mosh pit yet no but like it is clear that you no longer have control over standing upright in the crowd and i happen to look back and i could just see you know the 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 dinner plate wide-eyed look on, on this one girl's face. and I was like, oh, we have to leave. Like, they can't be in here. This is not okay. And so I just went over to him. I was like, grab onto me. And I just like barreled through and you know, made sure they were holding on and got them out. And I'm still a little bitter to this day because immediately following that, Toby Mac's show started. I'm standing on the outside and I watch them. He comes from behind the crowd and they pass him up all the way to the front to the stage. And he goes right through where I would have sat. And I'm like, oh man, I just missed that. Yeah. but yeah mosh pit crowds and like those packed in crowds like that at festivals and like outdoor events like that they are scary it is weird oh i enjoy it i enjoy Every it but it's it's the weird it. knowledge that i get into of like if this goes south and people panic for some reason for any reason right there's there's no anything it just becomes a bloodbath in the middle of all of that and that is a weird sensation for yeah. someone like me who does not like giving up control it is not a fun experience when that knowledge hits you
0: part of it is the freedom that you have in that crowd and you don't feel like you have any freedom because it's out of your control but i'm just like there's no way that they can identify any single one of us (laughs) we are all free to do (laughs) what we want i'm about to start throwing elbows the (laughs) anonymity of the crowd (laughs) it's like of the mob (laughs) here we go and like the way to start a mosh pit the best way is to grab the nearest person and throw them <laughs> <laughs> and they're going to come slamming back into you. And by then everybody's it's all done. gone like you just grab somebody that you know is willing and just go <laughs> like, I've always wanted to crowd surf. I've never done it. Uh, I have not crowd surfed, but at warp tour, <laughs> I was in the front of the row and I have never lifted so many people during one oh, yeah. set as who was it i think it was bowling for soup randomly uh, enough oh yeah i was at the front of bowling for soup and there was a security guard in front of me so everybody eventually gets passed over this way i spent the entire set just handing people to the security guard like me and the four or five people oh, yeah. around us just passing them to the security guard. what there. was <laughs> bowling for soup what
1: was their big hit stacy's mom was that their bi- oh no I was thinking, what was the other one, though, that was uh, Um, 1985? 1985.
0: That's the one I remember from them the most. Springsteen, Madonna. Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Way before Nirvana.
0: Yeah. Bowling for Soup also did did, uh, Punk Rock 101 and High School Never Ends. High School Never Ends comes to my mind more often than not. You think of a song that is prophetic, it is awesome. Yeah. Like, as an adult, nothing has been truer than High School Never Ends. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> the, my, my <laughs> brad pitt will always be like uh who what what was that brad pitt will always be the quarterback something who i forget who they mentioned would be always be the captain of the cheerleading squad like they they just go yeah. through all like yeah I, the jocks and the geeks my, and all that my and biggest like,
1: my biggest memory of the song 1985 is they kind of did a stacy's mom thing with it where there's like this this neighbor's wife who's yeah who's you know very attractive like a model basically and she's with this slob of a dude and at one point in the song i don't remember if it's the bridge or whatever she does like this you know 80s hairband dance on top of the car like not a strip tease but it's it's evocative if not provocative uh, if you will. And all, and at one point it's, you suddenly see... It's very see, much in the 80s music yeah, video yeah, vibe. Girls and cars kind yeah. of vibe. And all of a sudden it's like she comes to the realization that she's doing this and she kind of In backs a suburban up, neighborhood. In a suburban <laughs> in neighborhood. In a and then all of a sudden you hear the band who's sitting in lawn chairs watching all this happen. They're just all standing around like... Yeah Like all right (laughs) You go (laughs) It was just It was just so ridiculously comical And that was pretty much The epitome of that band Just always ridiculous Yeah They were always ridiculous What a weird digression that was How did we get there Body surfing Mosh pits Yes and body surfing Mosh pits Oh yeah But I've always wanted to crowd surf I'm probably too old now To crowd surf Nah uh, let me rephrase that. I'm probably too old to be in the environments that would allow me no, to. No, we need surf. to get
0: you in the right environment.
1: Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I Always wanted to do it though.
0: I always wanted to do it from stage. Ah, uh, yeah. That that's would, got that element's got to be just right. Yeah, that's a whole other. Jack Black proved in School of Rock.
1: Yes, that's one of my favorite moments of all time. Though, uh, back when the Collision had their last concert at the church, Peyton Gentry decided he would get up on the steps and jump into the kind of crowd that was there and somebody actually snapped a picture and i have it somewhere of him jumping and you literally see the cloud part or people that aren't even paying attention to him and he ended up tearing up his knee because nobody caught him there was nobody there and i don't know what he was jumping at but yeah that was just a thing
0: anyway back to the bible that is always the test of whether the fame in your head meets the (laughs) fame in real life (laughs) will people catch you when you stage dive oh man (laughs) the answer is most often no because the fame in your head will tell you yes. Yes. <laughs> and whether or not yes. people and catch you is based on whether or not you
1: actually Yes. And depending have that. on what state you mentally are in at that time, based on what things you have ingested, <laughs> that can also negatively affect that. Oh man. Uh, another random biblical story. Yeah. And we've talked about this one, so we'll go back and forth on this. But is the story of Ehud or what is probably Ahud but most people call it ehud is what i've heard it pronounced as cuz that's an americanized that's way the of americanized saying that version. but i always knew this story because every time there was a left-handed person that was called out in the bible my dad would make note of it because my dad is a lefty and so and again it helps the 20 questions it does it helps with the 20 <laughs> questions and this was another one of them that i but he always made note of that anytime a left-handed person was uh, made note of in the bible and there are quite a few of them actually yeah um and i think we've talked about why that is do we ever talk about why that is? Or have I just talked about that to other people? Never on here. I don't remember. The The prevailing thought in the ancient world was that if you were left-handed, you were either cursed or evil. Like something was wrong. Oh, gotcha. Something was wrong with you. Uh, and uh, and so that's where the phrase getting up on the wrong side of the bed this morning, because the idea of getting up on the left side of your bed was was considered a bad omen. Like, don't do that. Get up on the right side, because it was the, quote, good side of the bed weird things and but so i i always like it because i feel like the bible's trying to call out no there's nothing wrong with these people and here's how god's used them uh but his specific deal he was one of the judges and uh they were in the middle of a i wouldn't even call it a war they were just basically being subjugated by uh by the uh uh was it, who was it king of was it o- was it moab who was it at the time
0: i don't know this is your story yeah
1: let me look hang on i'm trying to catch up
0: <laughs> it's all right yeah
1: yeah it was it was it was moab and uh, and basically there was this king who was over them and this judge made this short sword and a dagger, to, yeah yeah, yeah. went in and basically said okay you know i have a message for the king it's for his ears only the whole room clears out and he reaches up with his right hand you know and kind of takes hold of him and the king assuming that that is his aggressive hand thinks everything's fine well then because he's left-handed he grabs this sword out with his left hand and shoves it through the guy's belly and it literally envelops the whole the whole thing i forget how many inches it says it was and the whole thing just goes inside of him and he dies well it goes
0: in and it gets covered by the fat yep. so he couldn't pull it out nope. his plan was to dagger him yeah and, and just pull leave. it out and leave and like flee yeah but the dagger stuck in him because yep. like the fat came out and covered the whole thing yep. and he couldn't get so them. he just left it in there and this guy was huge though left. was was that the king that had his own custom bed because he was so huge i think so like they had to make him an iron bed he was like 600 pounds or something awful yeah, yeah
1: it was something he, he was
0: very large yeah and he was basically uh my favorite Jabba part of hunt. that story is not only did he kill the enemy king and flee and run out the servants he locked the doors behind yeah. him and the servants waited it, the bible says to the point of embarrassment because they thought the king was using the restroom and so that's why the doors were locked right and so they they it says they waited until the point of embarrassment before they went in and found him dead because <laughs> it's like wow this is a super long time to be on the toilet yeah <laughs> like, i mean they didn't have iPhones back no, then so they, they, they had not. no idea what the point of no, embarrassment for being yeah. on the toilet is
1: yeah which also tells me that there must have been precedent for them to think yeah this is going to take a while would which you is say also 70
0: percent of twitter is composed on the toilet at least <laughs> i would say at least at bare minimum it's 70 percent. at least but yeah <laughs> maybe always, not all the comments and responses but for sure the initial post
1: <laughs> absolutely without without a without a question
0: um yeah ehood was that was a great that's a great left-handed dagger belly fat story yeah this is awesome yeah it's very it's very gory and very
1: descriptive. You should just read it sometime. Yeah. Um. But the last one I have for me anyway tonight is uh, the the random little story of uh Eutychus. Eutychus. Yes.
0: Oh, the guy that fell out of the that window. Fell
1: out of the window, and so this is a situation where Paul is preaching, and uh,
0: and <laughs> this guy was a teenager. We're not gonna lie. Yeah. Yeah. No,
1: I'm just kidding. They <laughs> always call him a young man or a youth. So yeah, more uh, than likely yeah, he was. he was. And. Uh, <laughs>
0: And it it basically,
1: he was teaching, Paul was teaching, was getting long-winded late into the night. Which, of course, you do because it takes you a long time to even get to this place. Just think of any time
0: that a guest speaker comes to your church and what the teenagers are doing at
1: about, you know, 10
0: o'clock at night. Yeah.
1: So, he's speaking away and all of a sudden, this guy falls asleep (laughs) and falls out of the three-story window that he's in. He's sitting in the window, falls asleep, falls out of it. And he falls down and... Everybody rushes out, and somehow Paul gets to him first, which, you know, good for Paul that he was actually distracted enough by what was happening when he was in the middle of speaking to be able to, you know, have his wits about him. Paul runs
0: down. Well, it does kind of take you out of your train of thought when someone dies during your message. You think so? Well, that's one of the interesting things. There's not really a clear or nearly died. Yeah, or, or
1: everybody at least thought he was dead. He's nearly dead. And it's one of the most mostly dead. <laughs> he's mostly dead. Oh man, two Princess Bride references in <laughs> one night one podcast. How do we do it? Um the no, thing that's intriguing to me is killed. they, they <laughs> I call it better. Um they never really say whether or not he died. Right. They basically say they assumed he was dead. And Paul just it said that Paul went down to him and embraced him and said no 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 he's not dead let's take him inside and I think they fed him something because that's what you always do when somebody just resurrects <laughs> back you know, from oh, the let's day. give him food but that one always intrigued me again it's one of those little things where it's like you don't really need this it, it doesn't really benefit anything it doesn't it's just there it's just a it doesn't thing that happens
0: the narrative of Paul we would have already thought he was a great guy right. even if he didn't bore people right. to tears enough that they nearly died but
1: yeah that's but that one's always been interesting to me it's like oh yeah Paul was long winded enough that this kid fell asleep fell out the
0: window and either died or nearly died and was either resurrected or Paul's just like, Oh no, he's good. This is, this kind of goes in the vein of why people think that Paul's thorn in the flesh was that he wasn't a great speaker. Mm. Like he either had a speech impediment of some kind or he was difficult to listen to. Like the way he spoke was either tedious or difficult to listen to or something like that. Like it was something that he was trying to overcome as, as he was trying to speak. Um, Yeah. but, and that, could go in the same vein, but yeah, uh, it's, it's comforting as somebody who does public speaking that even the apostle Paul, who we would be like, if, if apostle Paul could come and like explain this passage to us, that'd be the greatest thing ever. And yeah. I'm like, some of you would still fall asleep. Yes, no doubt. No <laughs> even doubt. if he was here in the flesh, I'll, I'll end with this. Did you know that Naaman's leprosy did not stop with him? Okay. So the servant that Elisha sent to Naaman to tell him about what to do when Naaman actually went and washed and was cleansed of his leprosy. He was so happy. He wanted to send some gifts back. And Elisha had said, we're not accepting any gifts. You know, we're not taking anything. And so Gehazi was his servant. Yeah, He went out after Naaman and said, you know what? my master changed his mind. And if you could just give him a little bit of something, that would be awesome. And they gave him a bunch of stuff and he kept it for himself. Yeah. And And it says at the very end, it says, um, uh, he went in and stood before his master, and Elisha said to him, Where have you been, Gehazi? He answered, Your servant has not gone anywhere at all. But he said to him, Did I not go with you in spirit when someone left his chariot to meet you? Is this the time to accept money and accept clothing and olive orchards and vineyards and sheep and oxen and male and female slaves? I think he went all little overboard. Yes. <laughs> I don't know if all that was in there, but... <laughs> Therefore, the leprosy of Naaman shall cling to you and your descendants forever. And he left his presence leprous, white as snow.
1: Yeah. I forgot about that.
0: So the leprosy of Naaman didn't go anywhere. No. It went to Gehazi yeah. and then down his family line yeah, too. Yeah, man, I forgot about that. Weird too when you think of what leprosy was. Like, Yeah. We're, it's still a little murky exactly what all yeah. it was, but yeah. Yeah, because what we, we refer been, to... As Could leprosy have been today, any number of diseases. Yeah,
1: but what we refer to as leprosy today is not the same as what was leprosy in the Bible. Yeah. So, yeah. Interesting. I forgot about that one. Apparently, oh it turns you white. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that much we know. <laughs> that much we know. <laughs>
1: oh man. Yeah. Well, are all hearts clear? Are we good. That was a thing. That was a yeah. thing. That was a whole lot of rambling r- interestingness.
0: Yeah. Give us five stars for that. That's Why right. Yeah.
1: Yes. Because <laughs> we enjoyed that. It was good.
0: We deserve our stars.
1: Yes. As always, keep track of us on all the various social media things that we don't really post to, but you know we do tell when things are coming up that we're doing that are significant. That is true. Um, I'm I, again, I'm feeling like doing a Facebook Live again sometime soon, but I want to do it with other with a guest. We've never done a Facebook Live with a guest, and I would like to do one with a guest. We should do that. So we should try that sometime. Not Nelson. He's not a guest. Right. He's he's like a what are what are the what are the he's like one of the also featuring from a sitcom. <laughs> <laughs> he's not one of, he's not on the on the real bill but you know with he's right. one of the widths so we'll go with that but probably not nelson yeah because that would just give be him, fun that would give him too much yeah we don't want to do that but anyway thank you guys so much for hanging out and listening with us uh-huh tell us what some of your random biblical stories that you like are you know throw them on on facebook instagram or just hey text them to sheldon and i if you know our numbers and uh maybe we could talk about those at some point or tell you that that's not actually that weird you know, whatever, whatever it is. But thanks again for listening. We'll catch you guys later. Thanks for joining the conversation today. The Things We Say is produced by Nate Ward. Technical direction is provided by Sheldon Stauffer. You can subscribe to The Things We Say on SoundCloud and iTunes. Don't forget to like us on Facebook at The Things We Say Podcast to keep the conversation going. This has been The Things We Say. See you next time.